lift up our hands. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for this moment. This is the only, this is the moment we only get to live it once. We're so glad that we can take it and we can set it aside for you. We just thank you that you inhabit the praises of your people. And so our hearts are open. They're charged up. We're ready just to receive from you this day as we open your word, Holy Spirit. We thank you that you are already among us. Well, we thank you that as we open your word, you inspire us, you show us what we need to know, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Will, how's everybody doing this morning? Uh, it's great to see all your smiling faces. It's great just to worship with you. And today, of course, we're going to continue on in our series on the Holy Spirit. I think we're now like, this is part 19, and we're going about 21 weeks because a few weeks the Holy Spirit just interrupted us, and so this is officially like the longest series we've ever done in the last 19 years, and so I'm just enjoying it. I'm having such a great time. Why stop, right? <laughs> oh, come on. There should have been some more amens there. Why stop? <laughs> Oh, if, if, if you feel like you're done and like, oh, what more can we learn about the Holy Spirit? Trust me, there's more. There's lots that we haven't touched. There's lots that we haven't caught. And if you, you've missed a bunch, don't worry. You can go to wordchurch.ca forward slash media and all 19 parts are there. You can go back and reference it at any time. We like to keep those things up because, you know, they say that you catch about between 8 and 10% of what is said when someone is speaking to you. And so if you're only hearing between 8 and 10%, what about the other 90% that you didn't hear? And, you know, I, I do these messages for online. I, I record a special one for online. And I'm always, whenever I'm editing it afterwards, I'm like, man, I don't remember ever saying that. And so if I'm the one preaching it and I'm discovering new things, man, when you're hearing it and hearing it, it stirs up your faith and you begin to hear things that you didn't hear before. And, you know, that's the, the great thing even about the Bible is you can, you can be a Christian your entire life, but when you pull on the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me and show me, you can be reading a verse that you've read over a thousand times and all of a sudden something clicks and you see something you never saw before. Why? Because the Word of God is alive. It's not like regular books. It's alive. It's, it's Jesus. Jesus was the Word that was made flesh. And so as we gather on Sundays and as you open your word, pull on the gift of the Holy Spirit and say, just reveal to me, Holy Spirit. And we should never have any boring Bible times. We should never have any boring prayer times when we let the Holy Spirit get involved with us. Amen? So we're going to continue on in our section this morning on gifts galore. And this is uh, part six in this subcategory where we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And so let's, uh, let's recap over where, we're, where we've been in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And in verse 4 it says, there are diversities of gifts. I like that it's there are. It's not there might be, there could be. I wonder if there might. No, it's there are diversities of gifts. There's different ways the Holy Spirit moves, and I, I guarantee you, there are ways that He's moved through you in your past, in your relationship with Him, that you didn't even realize that it was a gift of the Spirit working through you. Because some, they just come so naturally. Why not? You are sons and daughters of God. 
When you received the infilling of the Holy Spirit, He came and powered you up. He charged you up. You've got everything you will ever need right here on the inside of you, and I'm sure you've stumbled into these things accidentally sometimes. So we should charge ourselves up and do it a little bit more intentionally as well. He also says that there's differences of ministries, but the same Lord. We're not all called to do the same thing. There's different parts within the body of God, and it needs all of us. We can't do it without you. You can't do it without me. Come on, if you were to lose your big toe, you find out how important it was, right? Because it throws off your entire balance. You stub your littlest pinky on your toe, your pinky toe, it hurts. You remember, oh yeah, that's right, it's there and it's important. We need all of our parts. And it's the same way with the body of Christ. There's different ministries and you've been called to some of them. We've all been called to it. He says there's diversities of activities or different ways that he operates, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation or the expression of the Spirit is given to each one. Everyone say that. Each one. That includes me. That includes you. For the profit of all or the building up of all or each of us carrying our share of the load. It says, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another an interpret- the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually individually that's an important aspect of what the gifts of the spirit the holy spirit knows how to talk to you he's not going to talk to you the same way he talks to me that's the thing about relationship he knows how you think he knows what moves you he knows what needs to be said to you And so we can give examples. I can tell you how he's worked with me, but you have to learn how he works with you. What it sounds like when he speaks to you. And that's one of the greatest things you will ever discover is to learn the voice of God on the inside of you. When he speaks softly to your heart. And then be like, oh my goodness, that wasn't me. That was him. And once you recognize what he sounds like and what it feels like when he moves, you can be like, wait, okay, I know when it's me and when it's him. And that's a big thing. Some people don't know when it's their own flesh getting in the way, me included. There's been lots of times in the past where I thought to myself, oh, this is what God wants to do. And then I realized uh, after walking it out, no, that wasn't God, that was me. But that was a, a valuable journey for me because I learned how he doesn't work with me. And so he will work with us each one individually as he wills, as he has purpose. You know, and I I heard one person say it this this way, and so please don't get offended because it wasn't me. He said, you know, I think the Holy Spirit's a woman because he talks so much. And that definitely doesn't apply to my wife. My wife is not chatty like that. So, but in this guy's frame of reference, he was just like, man, the Holy Spirit's always talking. And so if he's always talking... How much are we missing? 
how much are we aren't listening because we're so wrapped up in what we're doing and how we think and what we want to do that we completely miss what he's wanting to do or what he's willing to do in that moment. So we've been talking about the different gifts of the Spirit, and today we're going to start on our last category. So we've already covered the three revelation gifts, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. Last week we wrapped up the three power gifts, which is the gift of faith, the working of miracles, and uh, the gifts of healings. And today we're going to start on the three vocal or inspiration gifts, which is prophecy, tongues and interpretation of tongues now we call them the three vocal gifts for a specific reason they say something the gift that is involved with them will require you to open up your mouth and yield it to god with the other six that we've already covered they can happen silently you can have a word of knowledge come to your heart and be like, okay, I know what's going on, and then a word of wisdom, I know what needs to do, a discerning of spirits, you're seeing what's happened, but you not, are not necessarily required to say anything. Sometimes you just got to do something. With the three vocal gifts, your mouth is required. And so I think with these with the vocal gifts, a lot of times the Holy Spirit uses these as entry-level gifts for people. Are you willing to look stupid and say something that you don't necessarily want to say, but say it for me? It takes a laying down of our pride. And so he will use, it, use them to train us and be like, are you willing? Because, you know, what does the Bible say? It says if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. And what is willingness? It's really consecrating yourself to God and saying, God, I will do what you want me to do. I will go where you want me to go, and I will say what you want me to say. You know, if we look, at, look in the Old Testament with the story of Jonah, God gave Jonah something to say, and he didn't want to say it because of his own biases against the cities that it was being said to. And so God will give you things to say sometimes, and it's going to require a laying down of your pride. And he will use that to see, you check the, the, to the contents of your heart. Are you willing or are you not? And so we have prophecy, we have tongues, and we have interpretation of tongues. And today we're going to start on prophecy. So let's start, as we've done with all the other ones, let's lay out our basic definition for them if you're taking notes. It is a supernatural utterance in a known tongue, inspired by the Spirit to build up the church or an individual. We have to categorize this as an utterance in a known tongue because when we put this against uh, the gift of tongues, it is in a unknown tongue so this is in a language that you know but it is something that is inspired by god it's inspired by the holy spirit and its purpose is to build people up that is very important for us to keep in remembrance the gift of prophecy is not for scaring people the gift of prophecy is not for correcting people the gift of prophecy is not for tearing people down. It's for building people up. Now, we're starting with the gift of prophecy because it is the highest of the three vocal gifts. What makes it the highest? Well, because you need the other two 
to equal the first. And that's what Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 14. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues unless, indeed, he interprets. So if tongues and interpretation are working together, it can be in equality with prophecy. But if someone has a message in tongues and there's no one there to interpret, you keep quiet. Because in the church, we're looking to build up, not confuse. And God is not the author of confusion. And so let's just ask the question, what is prophecy? Because when we say that word, we have some preconceived ideas that have programmed into us based upon how other people have said it and what they've said about prophecy, or even about how secular culture uses the word prophecy. I'm not interested in what the world thinks about prophecy. I want to know what the Bible says about prophecy. Isn't that a good opinion to have? You know, we should realize that every one of us have biases. We have thoughts that we've just learned to think that way that might not necessarily be what God means about it. So what is prophecy? So from a New Testament standpoint, the word that we use for prophecy is the word prophetia, and it is a discourse emanating from divine inspiration and declaring the purpose of God. And so if we want to break that into some simple language, it is one who speaks on behalf of God. God gives them a message that he wants them to relay to a group or to an individual. So we understand the source. It should come from God to you, to them. This is not something that you have spent a lot of time thinking about. Well, I think I should say this to them. No, it's something that is divinely inspired in the moment. It's just like pops up and you're like, this is what needs to be said in this situation. These are not premeditated messages. This is not preaching. Though there can be prophecy that comes out while preaching is involved. He said that he would use the foolishness of preaching to talk to his people. He didn't say he'd use the foolishness of prophecy. So prophecy is not preaching. It's not prepared messages. They are divinely inspired and they spring up. And why do we use that word spring up? Well, because in the Old Testament, under the Hebrew, the word to prophesy is the Hebrew word nabah. And it means to bubble up, to flow forth, or to spring forth like a fountain. And so this kind of gives us a good picture of how prophecy comes, in case you're like, I just don't know if this is God. When it, it, the way that the Old Testament prophets described it, it just kind of like sprang up from the inside. It's not something that comes forth from up here in your head. It bubbles forth, springs forth like a fountain. Now, why is that imagery important? Think about fountains for a second. We find them in our gardens. We find them in front of our, our houses. We, and what are they meant to do? They're there to produce calm and beauty and peace. And it's important because when prophecy flows, it does not create confusion, distraction, uh, um, unsureness. If God wanted to give that picture, he could have used it comes like a flood. That's more destructive. 
or a deluge or a torrent of rain, but that's not the words that he used. It springs forth like a fountain, which means when it springs up in you, it should spring forth with joy. It should spring forth with peace, and it should produce calmness. That's the imagery that is used here. And so if, you're, if you feel like you've got a word and it's like, like, it's like craziness and confusion, check the source. Because it's not always God talking to you. He's not the author of confusion. And he springs forth with joy. So we can see this even in the Old Testament, like in the book of Isaiah, verse, chapter 55, verse 11, it says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing which I sent it. And so we often quote this verse as like what God says it happens, and it, it does what it's meant to do, and we often leave it there, and we miss a very important aspect of the next verse, which is, for you shall go out with joy, and you shall be led out with peace. And the mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. And so this is the picture that when God speaks, joy flows and peace flows. And there should be celebration. And so when we're talking about the simple gift of prophecy, it should produce celebratory actions. It should produce joy. It's not there to, because we, we often think of prophecy as like, the book of Revelation and something apocalyptic or a society is going to be destroyed or, or in popular culture we can think it's the prophecy of the one who's going to come and deliver us. But that's not what the biblical gift of prophecy is for. And often what we call prophecy is really the revelation gifts at work. The word of wisdom and the word of knowledge, him revealing things from the past or the present, or showing you what's going to come. That's not prophecy, that's word of wisdom and word of knowledge. Prophecy has a very different function that it, it fulfills. And so we often call it the simple gift of prophecy, and the simple gift of prophecy and the office of a prophet are two different things. And that's important to realize. There is the ministry gift of a prophet, and the function that they fulfill is different than the spiritual, simple gift of prophecy. In Ephesians 4.11, it says, He gave some to be apostles, and some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. That means that we're not all apostles, we're not all prophets, we're not all evangelists, we're not all pastors and teachers. And then we know in 1 Corinthians it tells us there's other gifts. There's that ones, those who are given to exhortation. Those are in the ministry of helps. There's those that are in the gift of giving. There's those who are in the gift of administration. And so we are not all of those things, but some of us are. But the simple gift of prophecy and the office of a prophet are two different things. Well, Pastor Jordan, you're going to have to show me that in the Bible. I'm so glad you asked that. You know, I'm so glad you're here asking these great questions this morning. Oh, come on, I'm just teasing you. If you go over with me to Acts chapter 21, we can see the two different gifts working together. In Acts chapter 21 and verse 7, this is Paul, and he's making his way back to Jerusalem before he is arrested and taken to Rome. And in verse 7 it says, And when we had finished our joy voyage from Tyre, we came to Ptolemais, and we greeted the brethren, and we stayed with them one day. 
And on the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea. And we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, and we stayed with him. And I like this verse right here for the fact that it shows the progression of the life of Philip. When we're introduced to Philip, we're introduced to one, a man who is filled with the Holy Spirit, and they asked him to serve tables. He started out in the ministry of helps. He was just helping out the other apostles. And then as Paul began to persecute the church, the church began to spread out. And Acts chapter 8 tells us that Philip went up to Samaria and he preached Jesus to them. And they began to heal the sick and, and, and cast out demons. And then they sent Peter and John down to get them filled with the Holy Spirit. And so now this is many years later and they call him Philip the Evangelist. And so as he was faithful in what God had asked him to do in serving those tables, God expanded his role. And now we find him as Philip the Evangelist. And Paul, on one of his last journeys, ends up coming and staying in his house. The next verse is where we're wanting to get. It says, now this man, or Philip, had four virgin daughters who prophesied. And the word that is used here for prophesied means to speak forth by divine inspiration. This would be classified as the simple gift of prophecy at work that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But the next verse says, And as we stayed there many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And so there's a distinction here. We have people who were prophesying under the simple gift, and now let's see what a prophet does. It says, when he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, and he bound his own hands and feet and said, thus says the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And so we see here, they spoke forth by divine inspiration, but there's no revelation noted. When the gift of the prophet came down, or the office of a prophet, he spoke from the, the revelation gifts. And we often see that the office of a prophet will flow in the revelation gifts, the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, usually working of miracles, and the simple gift of prophecy. That seems to be the gift package that God seems to use through the office of a prophet. And so Philip had four daughters who prophesied, no revelation. A prophet came down, and there was revelation. And I, I really want to make this distinction because what a lot of people call prophecy simply is not prophecy. So which brings us to the question, what does the simple gift of prophecy do? Isn't that a valid question? If it's not one thing, that also can show us what it is. And so in, to do that, let's turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. How y'all doing this morning? In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul tells us to pursue love and to desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. This is really great. So out of all of the nine gifts, Paul said, you know, the one that you should really be stoked about and excited about and want flowing through you is the gift of prophecy. 
And it says, for he who speaks in a tongue doesn't speak to men, but to God. And we talked about that about five, six weeks ago when we were talking about speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is talking to God. And it says, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. So he who prophesies is not talking to God, but is talking to men on behalf of God. And what he's going to say on behalf of God falls into three categories. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. And it says that he who speaks in a tongue edifies or builds himself up, but he who prophesies builds the church up. And so the purpose of prophecy is to strengthen the church and those within it. A gift of prophecy should always build you up. It should always leave you stronger than when, before it happened. Or it's not prophecy. And he says, I wish you all spoke with tongues. So Paul's not docking tongues here. But he says, even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification, or that the church may be built up. So prophecy falls under the three categories, edification, exhortation, and comfort. What are those? Now I'm so glad you asked. You guys are just so sharp this morning with all these excellent questions. Gold star. Let's start with number one. Edification is the word okadomi, which means the act of building up, which makes sense. Prophecy builds up the church. It builds up the individual. And this is the act of one who promotes another's growth in wisdom, piety, happiness. That's an important aspect. When you prophesy, people shouldn't be leaving with frowns and holiness. It should bring focus back onto Jesus because everything, remember we said what, where it comes from, the glory should go back to. And so when you prophesy, it should promote another's growth. It should build them up. That's the simple side of it. It should always leave someone strong and smiling. You know, God knows how to speak to you in a way that even if he's having to correct you, he can leave you with a smile. Why? Because he's a loving father. He doesn't need the bat. He doesn't need the fly swatter. He doesn't need the mean words. Love builds up. Love covers a multitude of sins. What is it covered over? It covers with love and it promotes growth. So edification should always end with someone being built up. What about exhortation? Exhortation is a calling near, especially for help. And so there's an aspect of prophecy that will always call you closer to God. You can divine the source of someone when they prophesy if it endears them to themselves. Verses to God. 
You know, people have used prophecy or so-called prophecy for a lot of things. Prophesying money out of people's pockets, not the right aspect. That should never be used. Manipulating people into getting them what you want to do or help getting them to help your ministry, that, that's not prophecy. It should call them near to Jesus. And it's a very specific calling near. It should console them. The calling near should comfort them. It should bring solace and that which affords comfort and refreshment. When a prophecy goes forth, it should make you go, oh God, that was good. And I think we've all seen examples where it didn't do that. And that's why this type of teaching is important. We should know what the true gifts of the Spirit do, right? Okay, so that's edification and exhortation. You would think that comfort is pretty straightforward, right? It's the word paramathia, which means it's any address, whether made for the purpose of persuading or of arousing or of stimulating or of calming and consoling. And so it should arouse the body of Christ to action. It should bring a consolation and a calming to them. They're like, yes, we're on the right path. We're doing what we need to be doing. I'm strengthened and then I'm excited for the journey that's ahead. And so when the, the gift of prophecy leaves, is finished, it should be like, yeah, come on, let's get to work. I am so excited to do this right now. This is a great day to be alive. God's got good plans for us. Man, we're going to take this city for Jesus. This is not the end. And man, there's so much doom and gloom, negative prophecy going on there about how the world's getting darker and, you know, we just, you know, God's got to come back because it just can't get much worse than that. That's not prophecy. It should charge you up and be like, yes, I'm going to do the mission that God gave me. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He didn't say, look at everything that's bad. He said, no, fix your eyes on me. Imitate me, is what he said. And that's the true gift of prophecy. There, there's no revelation involved in the simple gift of prophecy. But that doesn't mean that the gift of prophecy can't flow alongside the other gifts. Just like we saw the working of miracles often flows with uh, word of knowledge and word of wisdom. In the same way as you begin to, pro to prophesy and inspire people and build them up, God will say, now I want you to encourage them and tell them this is what you need to do. And a word of wisdom can come in there. And so the gifts can flow together because it's the same Holy Spirit. It's not like he's like, okay, give word of wisdom, now needs to check out, and the new guy needs to step in, okay, we prophesy. No, he's one person, and as he begins to talk to you, just like a natural conversation will have ebbs and flows, as you're ministering under the power of the Holy Spirit, different gifts begin to flow through you. And so what we call prophecy, there is no revelation, but that doesn't mean that the revelation gifts can't come alongside. But there's something really important to remember whenever we're talking about prophecy or whenever we're talking about uh, words of revelation, and that is anyone can find dirt, but it takes a true prospector to find gold. I'll just let you think about that for a second. So, you want to see the gift of prophecy at work in the Bible? We might as well. <laughs> 
in Luke chapter 1, we have a great, great, great example. And what's just happened is Jesus' mother, Mary. The angel has come to her and said, you're going to have Jesus. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And though we read that as a joyous thing, you've got to understand for her, wow, her life was just thrown into such disarray because here I am, an unmarried woman. I'm now pregnant. Even my husband's like, okay, we need to put her away quietly. We'll just push her off to the side and, you know, we'll just forget that she ever happened and she was around. I'll find a new fiancé. And then God had to come to her fiancé and say, it's okay, Joseph. It's okay that what's happened is done by the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid to take her. And Joseph, being a great man, he was obedient. But you've got to understand her life, this, this was not kosher in their culture. She's pregnant and not married. And so she decides, okay, I, I, need, I need to check out of society for a little bit. I'm going to go stay with Elizabeth. And so that's where we find this. In Luke chapter 1, verse 39, it says, Now Mary arose in those days, and she went to the hill country with haste to the city of Judah. And she entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped within her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit all of a sudden takes hold and what happens? Well, next verse says, she spoke out with a loud voice. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. What did Mary need to do? Need to know, know in that moment she needed some assurance that what is happening is okay. What did the angel say to her? She said, Mary, he said, Mary, blessed are you among women. And so the Holy Spirit comes upon Elizabeth and what does she do? She confirms and encourages and builds up and strengthens the word that's already been given. And she says, you are blessed. Because Mary's thinking, man, what kind of situation have I found myself in? This is not going to work out good. I'm, I could be stoned. And Elizabeth builds her up. She encourages her and says, you are blessed. And what's in your belly is blessed. And she says, but why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And she goes right back into prophecy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Man, and I, I just can assure you that as Mary is listening to this, her countenance is changing. And she's like, oh my goodness, you're right. It is going to be okay. What he said is going to happen. And as, as Elizabeth prophesies over Mary, then the spirit of prophecy comes upon Mary as she's encouraged, as she's strengthened, and Mary begins to sing out in the spirit and says, my soul magnifies the Lord. There's that focus. It calls people and points them to Jesus. It points them to God, and it says, and my spirit has rejoiced in the God of my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly estate of his maidservant. Behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. She's speaking the end. She's not looking at the uncertainty of the situation. She's now got her eyes up and she's looking and saying, that's right, I am blessed and all nations will call me blessed just like it was told to me. And it says, for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name and 
his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. Oh, I love how it just set off such a chain reaction. First, it starts with the Holy Spirit hitting Elizabeth. She prophesies. Mary is encouraged. She's strengthened. And then she begins to prophesy. And you realize you can do the same thing in your life if you'll get your eyes off of what's happening right here and put them on Jesus. Let the spirit of prophecy come upon you and encourage, speak over your destiny. Encourage yourself. When you can't find anybody else to say a nice word to you, you can say a nice word to you. Let the Holy Spirit flow through you. Nobody's going to say nice things. Hey, you got a mouth. Use it. And you can't all be a prophet, but you all can prophesy. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, he said, Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? And the inferred answer is no. But he said in chapter 14, he said, For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be Everyone say this word, encouraged. That's the real gift of prophecy at work, that all become encouraged. Hallelujah. But there's some very important notes that we should make about prophecy. And that is, prophecy can and should be judged. Because there's an aspect of some people, they don't want you to question what they say. Uh, yes, you should. They ain't God. I want you to question what I say. If I say something, you should be weighing it on the inside with you and the Spirit. You should be weighing it versus the Bible. If it doesn't fit, hey, I could be having a bad day. Throw it out or put it on the shelf. Prophecy can and should be judged. No one is above saying, hey, maybe we should think about this for a second. Make sure that you're actually in line with what God's saying. And Paul agrees. He said, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. Evaluate. Weigh them. And he says, but if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, that you all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. What is Paul saying there? He says, you hold the tap. And I've seen this a lot in the last 15 years that I've been a pastor now. People are like, I just gotta do it and I gotta do it now. No, you don't. You can wait for the right moment. You can allow it to be balanced against leadership who should be listening to the Holy Spirit just as much as you. We want prophecies in this church. But the next verse says, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. And so we do it at the right time. We don't just start yelling out and have, well, we're trying to do worship. There's moments, there's times. And we'll talk about more about the proper place for things and the, as we continue on. But prophecies can and should be judged. And it's also important to keep a sensitive heart towards prophecy. It's very easy to let your heart become callous. Oh, wait, another word for another person? 
here, I've got things to do. I've got, you know, a roast in the oven. Come on, would you hurry up? Time's a ticking, time's a ticking. Well, Paul ran into that with his churches in 1 Thessalonians. He said, don't quench the spirit. Don't shut him off. Don't shut him up because you feel like you've got other things to do. And he said, don't despise prophecies. Test all things and hold fast to what is good. And so our hearts should be open for these things. There should be an excitement that comes upon the body of Christ. I believe in this day there's going to be a revival of the gifts of the Spirit in the body of Christ like we haven't seen in our lifetimes. Man, I, I read stories and I'm like, seriously, that happened? And then you remember, he's the same God today, same God yesterday, and he'll be the same God tomorrow. He doesn't change. And I believe he's resurrecting things in his body that people have said, no, we don't have time for those. We've got to push them aside. No, we keep our hearts open. We keep them sensitive. And we let God move when he wants to move. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for the gifts that you've given to your body, to your church, to the individuals within the church. We thank you, Father. We just ask that their hearts would become pliable, that they would become soft that they would open up to the things that you have for them, the things that you want to give to them and speak through them, Father. We thank you, Lord. We go ahead and say that, yes, here I am, Lord. Send me. Let me be your vessel. Let me do what you want me to do. I'm open and my heart is ready to receive from you. offering time. Glory be to God. You know, Pastor Jordan shared some scripture out of Matthew last week, and if you were here, you recall this. It is in Matthew 17. Okay. It says, when they had come to Capernaum, those who received the temple tax came to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the temple tax? He said, yes, and when he had come into the house, Jesus anticipated him, saying, what do you think, Simon? From whom do kings of the earth take customs or taxes, from their sons or from strangers? Peter said to him, From strangers. Jesus said to him, Then the sons are free. Nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook, and take the fish that comes up first, and when you have opened his mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me and you. So you want to know why this relates to, uh, to giving? It's because of what just happened here. 
between a transaction between Peter doing what Jesus told him to do. Amen. And he did it, and he and and this is what happened. First off, the tax collector didn't ask Peter about this. He said, just his master. He says, Does your master pay the temple tax? And then Jesus then asked Peter to do something that was within his ability and something that he was familiar with. He told him to go fishing. Peter was a fisherman. That's what he does. Amen? So he said, go fishing. So this is not something, you know, when God asks you to give and to do certain things like this, he doesn't ask you to do a hard thing. He does things within your ability. Amen? And then it said, and Jesus told him, says, take the first fish that comes up. Well, if there's a first fish, that means there's a second. And probably a third, fourth, fifth, sixth. Peter's probably having a heyday of the, I, you know, I've, been, I've been preaching with Jesus for a while. Says, this is cool. I get to go do some fishing again. And he's pulling this fish out, so he's, uh, he's getting supper and, you know, and maybe get enough fish that he could sell off and you know, make some more money on, you know? And so he said, take the first fish that comes up. Take that coin out of his mouth and then keep on fishing. And then what ends up happening is not only does Jesus get his taxes paid, but Peter gets his taxes paid as well. He says, go and give for them and for you and me, for both of us. Amen? When you sow into the kingdom directed by God, there is always what I like to call collateral prosperity. If God is going to use you to give into the kingdom, He is going to make sure there's residual for you. Amen? Amen? 30, 40, 100% sometimes. Amen? <laughs> Glory be to God. So if you if you want to give, you can give to go to wordchurch.ca slash backwards slash give and or envelope in the in the pew in front of you. And there's a basket at the back as you leaving you drop it off in there. Amen. Amen. So today, as you can see, we've got a spread at the back. Uh, there's all kinds of pies and cake and you know, Pastor Wendy gets carried away with stuff like that. And uh, so anyway, uh, basically what's happening back there is there's, there's bowls for the kids, there's donuts, cookies, and there's smaller bowls, and then there's pies, and you'll see the things back there. Please, everybody have something. And even if you, if you, if you don't want to have it now, take something with you when you when you leave. Amen? If they're all wrapped up back there. Amen? Amen. So Father, bless the food we're about to receive. We thank you for meeting all our needs. In Jesus' name, amen. And I also have some grab bags for the kids as they leave. Okay, amen? Amen.